Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for July 17th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon is entitled, The Love of God and Way of Jesus. It's the two main reasons that I'm here today, the love of God and the way of Jesus, that is. Oh, don't get me wrong, I love the community. I honestly have no idea how people out there make it without church and a sense of family and kinship that we share here. It's why we're always wanting y'all to join the church. Join the church. I'm not looking at any eyes. I'm looking above the eyes. It's because I believe in this sense of family and community. And I'm so glad that I don't travel this faith journey alone. I like that we are connected to each other and connected beyond our own walls to people of faith all over the world. I also come here because I love to sing. Yes, I love hearing the choir and occasionally singing with them myself, but mainly I love the mass choir of congregational singing. And I do love to hear the organ, and I love the piano, and I love the music that comes with the church. I also love the intergenerational nature of church. One of our first fun occasions upon moving here was attending the wedding of church members. We got an invitation. You know, you have to invite the new preachers. And of course, we had to attend. She was on our search committee. It was just a few weeks after we had gotten here. But what a lovely day and a fun evening. As nervous as I was to meet so many in the church right off the bat at our beginning, most of the folks, we didn't even know their names yet. But some of the older folks at the reception cut the meanest rug on that dance floor that night. It was so fun, and I would have hated to have to pay that bar tab looking at the dad that had to pay the bar tab. On another occasion, not long after that, so it was still a good many years ago, one of the parties hosted by church members that we attended was a 50th wedding anniversary party. They didn't even know us long enough to have invited us to that occasion, but again, we got the obligatory pastor invite, and we did the obligatory yes pastor thing that we're supposed to do and showed up. And when we did, we were so struck at what a fun evening it was. And it was a lot of people there and it was mostly church folk at the country club. Russ and I commented on the way home that we wanted our 50th anniversary to be filled mostly with people of all ages. We were so struck by the multi-generational occasion stemming mostly from the church. 
So yes, I've loved our sons having many grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings right here in the church. It's one of the greatest gifts of being church together. Another reason that I'm here today is all the opportunities to make a difference in the world that we receive here at church, whether it's with the homeless or in the public schools or in Cuba. Sure, there are lots of ways to do these kinds of things outside of the church, but the church provides a coordinated effort to help us participate in these mission opportunities with our clan. I like that. It's one of the main reasons I do church. I also appreciate the regularity and the familiarity of the routine of the church. And I cannot lie that probably one of the main reasons I do church is because my parents made me do it. And it became such a habit that now I just can't imagine it any other way. It's one of the greatest gifts my parents ever gave to me. But the truth is, there are really only two reasons that I'm here today, and that's the love of God and the way of Jesus. Missions and music and community, and I forgot to mention the potlucks, they're all icing on the cake. It's the love of God that pulls me here with a magnetic force. Trying to define God is impossible. Trying to understand God is overwhelming. Trying to speak about God is difficult. Presuming to speak for God is, well, presumptuous. So when all else fails, we turn to 1 John where it is spoken so simply, God is love. What else is there to say, really? It's what we all yearn to hear, isn't it? That we are loved unconditionally, fully. I read somewhere that the main reason for the tremendous success of the Billy Graham Crusades was that he preached a simple message, God loves you. When your children ask you the hard questions, who is God, where is God? Answer them with love answers. Give them examples of love and actions of love and feelings of love and explain to them in terms that everybody, even a child, can understand, God is love. You see what's happening in the world, and it leaves us asking, where is God? The only answer I know is that God is in all the places where love is acting. Where is God? Well, you'll find God in the people who are working for justice and speaking truth to power. You will find God in the people who are giving care. You'll find God in the people who are comforting those who are grieving. You will find God 
in those that are hurting and broken, in all the places where love shows up. That stirring in your gut, that lump in your throat, that inner self voice of conscience of right and wrong, that inner yearning and longing for rightness and goodness, that is God's love trying to ooze out of you. Don't stifle it. But it isn't just the love of God that brings me here. Love may be the magnetic force, but it's the way of Jesus that compels me. And in my manuscript, and every single time I write it, I write it just like we saw it printed there. The way is a capital W. It is the way of Jesus that compels me. Many other prophets preach the same message. Other teachers and charismatic leaders have said the same things. But the way of Jesus is compelling. Tony Campolo, the evangelical sociologist, pastor, preacher, teacher, who spits profusely when he preaches, he gets so passionate about it, he once said that if he were to find out today that there was no such thing as God or heaven, if he were to find out that all the things he has based his whole life on in faith were simply not true, if he were to find it out that it was not true, he would still be a Christian. He believes in the way of Jesus so much he sees it as a compelling way to live his life that even if he found out it was not true, he would still live the way of Jesus. And what it means to be Christian simply means that you choose to live like him. You do the things he said to do. You act the way he acted. You say the things he said. You work for the things that he worked for. You condemn the things that he condemned. That's what it means to be Christian. That's not exactly what I was taught it was meant that it meant to be Christian. I was taught that you had to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus was the Son of God and you would be saved from your sins so that you didn't burn in eternal hell. That will compel one to follow, <laughs> except the ones that it repels from faith. What it means to be Christian is that you do the things he said to do, say the things that he said, act the way that he acted, condemn the things that he condemned. It means to follow his way. The early Christians were not known as Christian. They were known as followers of the way. And I've often said that I wish that's what we were still called. I'm reminded of the time not long after 9-11. We decided that we needed to do some study and have some discussion to address all of our fears we were feeling so intensely in those first weeks following the tragedy. So we planned a six-week Wednesday night series. We were in 
Milford Chapel eating dinner. We would have our dinner there and the program there. The community center wasn't built yet. And for those six weeks, one week we had an imam come and talk with us about Islam. We had an infectious disease doctor come and talk to us about anthrax. We had various other religious leaders and various people come and talk about war theories and just war theories. And we had all kinds of people come to try to educate us. Our hope had been that in open dialogue we would alleviate some of the fear that we were sensing. After the six weeks was over, an elderly gentleman who was known to be one of the, well, on the one hand, he was known to be one of the kindest and gentle, loving men, especially with little children. And on the other hand, he was kind of known to be an ornery old grump. He came up to us after the final session of our series, and he said, I'm so glad we're done with that. I know you have to say all of that about peace and loving each other. I know you have to say that, but I don't. What we need to do is go over there and bomb them all. Well, I just busted out laughing. I said, you don't mean that. He said, yes, I do. I know you have to say those things, but I don't have to say them. What cracked me up, it still makes me laugh to think about it, was that he understood full well that as a pastor and a preacher in a Christian church that I had to say those things that make for peace. And I think he was really grateful that I was saying them because if I said them, he didn't have to. He was kind of covered by being here. He could just say whatever he was feeling because I had taken care of the Jesus talk. I loved that man so much, ornery as he was. But it was in that conversation that has lingered with me for all these years, I have to say these things because of what I do for a living. Let me suggest that following in the way of Jesus is not something I get paid to do. It's simply what I try to do in response to the love of God. I try to live the way of Jesus in response to the love of God. What I get paid to do is to help create an environment and a community that helps other people to be so drawn by the magnetic love that they choose to spend their lives following Jesus themselves. That's what I get paid to do. These phrases are so simple that it's really difficult to preach about them. Perhaps it's why we say these phrases so often and almost always together because honestly what else is there to say? It's the love of God and the way of Jesus that brings us together. It's the love of God and the way of Jesus that defines who we are and whose we are. 
It's the love of God in the way of Jesus that gives our lives meaning. It's the love of God in the way of Jesus that sets us apart. It's the love of God in the way of Jesus that calls us to act. It's the love of God in the way of Jesus, period. Really, that's about all there is, isn't it? What more do we really need? Last week in the pulpit, it just felt gut-wrenching. I even said I had not had that sensation since the Sunday after 9-11. After a week of such horrific violence with racism running rampant, which kills the oppressed and enrages some people to the point of violence, where in the end, too many are dead from black men to police officers. And then I had to come here and preach, so be at peace. Well, this week, it may have seemed a little calmer on the home front. It wasn't. It was just as much racism, oppression, murder, violence, as the week before, it's just those stories didn't reach the headline news. But the international news took over in that headline spot, which was just as horrific, when a truck plows through a crowd of people and kills so many, and a coup is attempted. It's just all more than we can take in and process. But you came here today. And I think one reason you came here today had to do with the love of God and the way of Jesus. We try to make sense of the world and we gather to claim the love of God so that we can proclaim the way of Jesus. We claim the love of God so that we can proclaim the way of Jesus. And that way pushes us to speak the truth in love. It pushes us to love our neighbors as ourselves. It pushes us to do justice and show mercy and walk humbly with God. It, that way pushes us to go the extra mile and to give our coat and to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked and give to the poor and visit those who are in prison and comfort those who mourn. That way is my way. There are so many other ways, but this is the only one I know to tell because it's mine. When I don't know exactly what I'm feeling, I read Anne Lamott, and she's like in my head saying it in ways that I didn't know to say it. This week, she posted this. She says, life has always been scary here. How on earth do we respond when we are stunned and scared and overwhelmed to the point of disbelieving? She says, I wish there was an 800 number to call, but there's not. Yet in the meantime, we must respond with a show of force equal to the violence and tragedies 
with love force, mercy force, unnegotiated compassion force, crazy caregiving to the poor force. We must respond with a show of force equal to the violence and tragedy. And then she gives a suggestion or two. She says, why don't you give $2 bills to the extremely annoying guy at the intersection who you think maybe could be working or is going to spend your money on beer? Jesus didn't ask the blind man what he was going to look at after he restored the man's sight, he just gave him hope and sight. He just got healed. She goes on to suggest, to whom needs this hope and sight? She said, first of all, you need it yourself. So do some of that crazy caregiving to yourself. Eat healthy food. Be patient with yourself. Speak in a friendly tone to yourself. Put lotion on the jiggly parts and wear forgiving pants. And how do you op offer hope and sight to others? The old computer that's on your shelf that you just hadn't had time to do anything with, take it to an after-school program. Visit in a nursing home and just make old people smile. Haul the trash to the dump for those that are just about to go under buy canned goods that are on sale and give them to a food pantry. No healing in pretending, there is no healing in pretending that bizarre, violent stuff is not going on. But when all is said and done, she says, and the dust settles, which it will, love is sovereign here. This week, may the love of God compel you to live the way of Jesus. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.